Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. For 2021, uh, it can be different from 2020. And sometimes it's just seeing opportunities, but sometimes it's actually making a little just adjustment. There's power in the little things. Sometimes life, we say the miracle is on the stretch. It's pushing through. But sometimes you don't have to stretch as much as making a minor adjustment, a minor attitude adjustment, a minor thinking adjustment. Perhaps you need to learn new things and unlearn old things. And uh, so that's the small things. God anoints the small. I was thinking about Nahum the prophet or Nahum the king of Syria, a commander. That country exists today. It's north of Israel there and it has an army in opposition towards Israel, essentially. They have a kind of like a loose ceasefire agreement. And, uh, but the commander of this is, was a guy called Nahum, and uh, he had leprosy. So he's leading people with leprosy. And, but what he did do, um, there was an Israeli uh, girl servant she'd been taken captive. So she said to his wife, she said, I know a man, his name is Elisha. He's a man of God. He moves in the signs and the wonders and miracles. If he but lays his hands on him or something, he will be changed. So the wife convinced Nahum and Nahum went. And, uh, and he took his soldiers, a, a company of soldiers, and they asked him. And, and the man of God, Elisha, said, what I want you to do is to dip seven times in the Jordan River. The Jordan River is uh, not particularly a pure river. And, uh, and he, he looked at it and he thought, man, he felt insulted. He felt upset. And he felt like, you know, uh, why couldn't he ask me to, to hop into uh, the pools of purity, pools of that really cleansing water, awesome stuff. And then um, the, his, his, his men, and you've got to understand this leadership isn't always about uh, giving directions. Sometimes it's listening to hearts. And David the psalmist was a good listener. He listened to his people. He still made the ultimate decisions. But Nahum submitted to the wisdom, the counsel of his men, because his men said this. They said, if he'd asked you to do a hard thing, you would have probably done it. But because he's asked you to do a simple thing, what, are you rejecting it? So he submitted to that kind of wisdom, and he dipped seven times, and he was healed miraculously. He went back to Elisha, and he thanked him very much. What is the little thing? around your life that you can make? Just one tiny adjustment. Have you ever considered it? Sometimes God doesn't ask us to do big things straight off. The outcome may be big things, but little decisions create great outcomes. And it's the ability to be able to take one step at a time. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And so it's the little things, the little thing that you could do, even at the tail end. Perhaps for you, it's, I was thinking this, maybe it's, it's like embracing somebody or in embracing a family that you kind of don't like. <laughs> uh, maybe it's, it's in the area of forgiveness, extending some mercy or some grace or generosity of heart to somebody else that perhaps you would normally shun. Maybe if the Lord spoke to you and said, I want you to pop over the next door neighbor and give them $100 and just bless them. But I think we should inquire of the Lord. The Bible itself written here is explicit. It has themes that run through the Old Testament in the New Testament. And one of the themes is the small things. It's the little things. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little attitude that can wreck a business. But it's a great attitude that could enhance a business. 
It's a little misuse of our finances that could bring sabotage down the line. But it's the little order, the consistency, the structure of our finances, the order and looking and after that and mastering that that may bring blessing long term. The Bible is full of you and I doing little things, encouraging us to do the small things. So don't despise the small. We live in a generation, don't we, where everybody wants the big. It's like the big factor the wow factor, the mega faith, the mega this, the mega that. But I tell you what, every dream that you see today, every business, every enterprise, the high rises, the buildings, uh, came from an idea. That's all it was, is one simple idea, one concept, one aspiration. And they say this about success. Success really breaks down to two formulas. Number one is the idea. It's the inspiration. One percent. And the rest of it is sacrifice. The rest of it is hard work. The rest of it is determination. What is the dream that God has given you? What are you sitting on? Sometimes it's the little adjustments, the little changes that help us to get one more step closer to our destiny. I want to talk this morning about crying out to God. Crying out to God, and the reason why I want to talk about that, because it's a really tiny thing to do, but we overlook it. In fact, when we cry out to God, a lot of people in the Word of God, they cried out to God. They began to give the Lord a shout. They began to cry out to God and ask God to intervene in their personal circumstances. And the Bible talks about God. He that calls, Joel, he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, or he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So God, there's a, there's a time and place where we kind of like, you've understood that I've said this before, God doesn't necessarily interrupt our lives. He's not an invader, but he's, he, he responds by invitation. And if we're hungry to say, God, I want you, God, I need you, God, I ask for your help, the Word of God says the Lord is faithful and mighty to save. He will come on our behalf. And so sometimes we begin to accept circumstance. We can complain. I know plenty of complainers that will complain about a circumstance. They'll get upset with government. They'll get upset with individuals. They'll get upset with sibling at, at rivalry uh, and all sorts of stuff and even get upset with themselves but fail to take an adjustment on the inside of their soul and say, this is what I can do to change. And sometimes when we begin to do a little adjustment, it furthers us way, way, way down the road. We all breathe the same air. We all drink the same water pretty much. But some people are able to be like a shooting star and succeed in life. And it comes down not just calling, it comes down to decision making. There are plenty of people that are sitting in the church today around the world that have a great call. Some people have apostolic calls. Some people have calls to go into mission fields and shake nations. Others to, to learn the guitar and to, they've got a beautiful voice. Uh, some pity in the church, there might be a concert pianist, and, but never really take up the call and the vision. It's always like a pipe dream. It's always like a wish or an aspiration or an empty dream. But I believe this year, 2021, this could be our best year yet. Why not? Why can't this be your best year? Are you going into 2021 with the same old attitude to say it's going to be like 2020? Listen, we're not subject to the economy. You might think we are. We're not subject to, to the United Nations. We are subject to the kingdom of God. We are subject to His principles because His principles supersede natural economy. It's possible that everybody could be bankrupt barring you. 
It's possible that everybody could go under, barring you. Because you've got to understand you're an ambassador, you're a sojourner, you're walking through this planet right now, but you have the endorsement, the favor, and the blessing of God upon your life. And it's according to your mix. It's according to how you mix it up. It's according to a faith level. Begin to mix faith and begin to say, God, I know that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above. That's what I ask or imagine according to the power of God within us. You and I could decide to remain. I don't know about you. Sometimes we could be a frustration to our family when we don't change. The power is within us to change. The power is to change our attitude. Your wife can't change your attitude. Your husband can't change your attitude. She can't change your habit patterns. You can put some force on you, but you can't ultimately change it, but you can. You've got the power of choice. And that's the freedom that God has given you. Look, if non-believers can give up smoking, huh? if non-believers can give up alcohol drinking, how much more can we? If non-believers can say no to pornography and close the door, shut down the computer, I'm talking non-believers now, how much more can you and I have master over those areas of our life according to your faith, according to your determination, according to your repentance, according to your conviction, according to your priorities, according to your, uh, according to your value system? You can have it if you want it. Come on now. You can break through if you really want it. You can do it. God sits back and says, Jonathan, I've done it all. 2,021 years ago, I have finished. It's done, a completed thing. But now it's up to you to get hold of the tabernacle, uh, get hold of uh, the, the banqueting table. Pick up those weapons. I want to talk today about crying out to God. There's a woman, her name is Hannah or Hannah. She's, in, she's barren, very common and barrenness in the uh, Jewish culture in the Middle Eastern time was a big deal for girls because most of them uh, were valued on servitude and value because you could have many kids. So it's a big issue. It's a lot bigger issue than it is today by a long straw. She couldn't have any kids, but what she did do, she went into the house of the Lord, the temple, and she began to pray. Uh, the priest, his name was um, Eli, saw her. He actually thought she was drunk. She said, why are you drunk? She said, I'm not drunk. She said, I'm bitter, I'm brokenhearted on the inside. He said, what is your problem? And he said this, uh, she said this, she said, I don't have children, I want a child. And when I have the child, I would dedicate him to the Lord. God gave her Samuel, who was a mighty prophet. The Bible says not one word that he gave forth in prophetic utterance, not one fell to the ground. Every single thing he said came to pass. It came out of her. It's amazing. She cried out to the Lord. Rachel cried out. Rachel said, give me children lest I die. She was also barren and God decided to fill her womb. What are you crying out about? Are you just living life normal? Sometimes we get embarrassed about crying out. Sometimes we just, just don't make that sacrifice or sometimes we feel a little bit of shame, but sometimes we've got to make a noise. Blind Bartimaeus, let me tell you this, he's a guy that was uh, completely blind, and he's one of the few guys, apart from Lazarus, that the Bible actually gives, gives him a name. Blind Bartimaeus. There's a guy that they, Jesus was coming past, and you know what happened? He cries out, and he said, Son of God, have mercy upon me. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And the crowd said, shh, be quiet, here he comes. And the Bible says he got louder and louder. So he overcame shame or embarrassment. He, in other words, his complaint and his desire to be healed was far greater than his rejection and his insecurity. You got me now. And sometimes we need to see beyond insecurity, see beyond our pride and our shame and embarrassment and shoot for the stars. 
And so blind Bartimaeus, he begins to yell out. He says, David, son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus stops in his tracks and he said, bring him forward. And the Bible says that he throws off his cloak and he walks towards him. And Jesus says, what do you want? And he said, I want to see. He so, so shall it be according to your faith. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. I've written here, don't underestimate the small things. Don't underestimate this. Because sometimes we, we overestimate what can be done in one year. You know, we've got, we've got goals coming on. I guess you've got some goals. 2020, what I want to do, what I want to be, what you want to happen in your life. And sometimes we just stretch that thing right out and it's just like, oh my goodness, within 12 months you're going to deal with this. But sometimes we overestimate. But sometimes we underestimate what can be done in 30 years. So we make daily decisions, small decisions, small adjustments, sometimes bigger adjustments. And then what we do, God begins to stretch the dynamic. He begins to take us on your journey. And I'm telling you, the fulfillment of God uh, shall come to pass as you obey Him in these areas. Okay, so now let me just skip these out because I, I want to go into Mark 18, uh, Luke 18. If you have your Bible here, I'm going to read it from a different translation. I'm going to read it from the uh, New Living Translation. I have uh, three translations that I basically uh, uh, read, and I've got another one coming in the middle of January. I'm looking forward to that one. It's a new translation there, and uh, which is good. So let's, let's, let's start at Luke 11, verses 5, and I want to prove something to you because I think what we're saying has to come back to the Word of God. So we're not just giving you a motivational message. It has to have revelation. It has to be established in the Word for it. They really have tact. Otherwise, you'll feel good for two or three days, but the Word of God will carry you through. Okay, so here we've got it here, uh, a teaching about prayer in chapter 11, and we're going to start by going to 5, verse 5. Okay, we've got that there. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Now, I want you to watch this. This is Christ. This is God now telling us how to pray. He understands there's a dynamic and there's a principle behind prayer. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread around about 12 o'clock, knocking on the door, and you say to him, hey, verse 6, a friend of mine, he's just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom and says, look, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I, were in bed. I can't help you. Now, notice he says, I can't help you. Verse 8 says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for a friend's sake. So the guy who's in bed at nighttime, going to be disturbed, and shh, you wake up the householder saying, even as a mate, you're my friend, I'm not going to do this for you. That's a really interesting principle. Even though I'm a friend, because Christ is our friend. You dig the point. Now, Christ is our friend. He's connected to you as a friend. As a parallel, you've got to see Jesus in the scripture here. Even as a friend, he's not going to open up the door. There are some things around our life, we expect God to open them up, that the doors are like they're tightened and they're closed. They're never open. We get frustrated about it. So Jesus begins to tell us a principle of how to push through. I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for a friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Jesus is now saying, hey, not even as a friend, he's going to open up the door. 
But if you keep on knocking and you keep on knocking and you keep on persisting, the door will open. Sometimes we give up in prayer. We give up on the vision. We, but we continue to pray, God save our nation. We continue to pray, God, I want the healing. We continue to pray, Lord, touch my children's life. But what happens, I see in the church so many times if we actually give up, we're about to collide with God. We're about to collide with a miracle, but somehow we kind of shrank back and we never inherited the blessing and the promise that God had for us. Verse 9, and so I tell you, I tell you, this is now Jesus. He's concluding the parable and he said, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. And then he backs it up. He says, keep on seeking and you will find. He backs it up. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. Seek, knock, and ask. You go into the original and they are power words. They're not like, I, I, I'm, no, 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 I'm just seeking. For whom do you seek? Ah, uh, well, I just need a little bit of, no, 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 no. The seeking that we're looking about is your, is, means this, you're seeking with intensity. Remember Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost? Remember Satan goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, all the same words, go back to the original. Seeking is looking with intensity. So you're looking like this. Where is it? I was saying the other day, I was one of those guys that, you know, Zach grew up and I said, hey, Zach, it was funny because I said, when you grew up, and I said, you used to find things around the house I could never find. And so I'd end up saying, I can't find my watch anywhere. And he said, I know where it is. <laughs> Under his bed, no. Um, no, no, but he had this thing. Hey, he had this thing, was able to find things. We, 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 we thought he had this gift. We did. We'd lose things. You know, how many people lose things around the house? How many are key a key, you lose their keys, and they're in your pocket. Have you ever had your glasses on your head and looked around the house? Have you ever had that? If you haven't got glasses, you laugh at it, but the day is coming. <laughs> so I said to Zach the other day, I said to Zach, and he said, I never had a gift. He said, I just looked. And he said, I remember one time you couldn't find your keys. You'd looked in your bag, Dad, three times. He said, I looked the fourth time. I found it straight off, blind as a bat. But no, it's seek with intensity. Ask. Ever been to the bank? And they said, nah, don't qualify. Have you? Have you ever gone back again? Ever twisted some arms? Shaken some desks? Have you ever said, well, why don't you change your policy? That's called cheeky faith. If God spoke to you and said you'll get the loan and the bank says, no, what are you going to go with their saying? Or are you going to keep on going back? How determined are you? What kind of cheeky faith do you have? Ever asked a girl out and she said no? So that was it? Close shop for the rest of your life? Or you keep on knocking? Uh, I know you said no, but I think we should reconsider. <laughs> it's always good when they say yes, first pop. But those are power words. They're really asking, seeking, and knocking. You can have it if you want it, according to the will of God. Stick to your lane, stick to your gifting, and there's breakthrough in that line, but push through. Keep on knocking. Move the obstacles. Remember, listen, you've got to get this. You've got to catch this church. you really got to get this. If you get nothing out of this, you've got to understand this. Remember I said 2,021 years ago, Jesus said it is finished. It's done for you. The inheritance, it's yours. It's your land. You just have to get up to the justice and sign some documents. It's yours now. 
You can start putting a bulldozer through it and cutting some down some trees and whatever you want, but it's yours. So many things. If your healing is yours. It was paid for. Deliverance from demons. Kids being saved. It was yours. Financial breakthrough. Curses broken. Ministry. Opportunities. It was on the cross. Poverty on the cross. But you can still live like that and, and, and look at the cross as a nice story and sort of think, wow, that's really cool, Jesus. I so appreciate, I'll sing it one more time about salvation. Or uh, deliver, deliver, thank you, Lord, for delivering it. Or you can walk out saved. You can walk out delivered. You can walk out. And that's the whole thing. You take it. It's yours. It's an inheritance. Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. This is true stuff. Let's go to Luke 18. Different story. True story. Jesus tells it. Luke 18. And it says, there's a persistent widow. Husband is no longer. 18 verses 1. Jesus backs it up. Now, one day Jesus told his disciples a story that they should always pray. And you ready for this? Never give up. Can you say never give up? There was a judge. You'll know this famous story of Winston Churchill. This is not in my notes, but Winston Church, you know, this famous, I think it was Harvard or Oxford. They said they got him in after the war, of course, and he was able to champion England over Germany in the Third Reich and uh, raise up the flag, the, the British flag, and win Battle of Britain and everything, and it was the right man for the job at that time. And so they asked him, would he come to lecture at university? And all these, quad, uh, these, uh, these graduates uh, wanted to hear what he said. So you know what he says? He gets up and he says this, never give up, never, ever, ever give up. And he sat down, and that was his message. They're looking for some profound truth. I thought they just heard it. Winston Churchill was saying, you don't give up. You never give up. Here's a lady that never gave up. Jesus is now backing one illustration up with another illustration. Here's a widow. She's been oppressed. She has an adversity, and the word adversity means Satan in the original. And I tell the story here. Here's it goes. One day Jesus told his disciples had a story, a story to show that they should always pray and not give up. Here's the story. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, Jesus said, who neither feared God, not a churchgoer, had no reverence for God. So the motivation is not about God here, but he's going to step in. Nor cared about people. Ever met a judge or a lawyer that didn't give a rip about people? This guy didn't care about God, didn't regard God, and he didn't care about people. He's a high choleric with a threshold. A widow in that city came to him repeatedly. Can you say repeatedly? That's important now. She's going back. It says repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Justice there means vindication. It means defense. Give me vindication and give me a defense against my enemy. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. She kept coming back. Give it to me. She kept on coming back. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then it says, learn the lesson from this. So here's the situation. I'll be the widow. There over there is the, uh, the judge. I'm bend over. You don't have to be a widow, a bend over to be a widow, but this is, this is, this is how I see it. I see it's an old, older woman. That's how I always see it. I may be wrong now, but I see it as an older woman. She's going. And she's been oppressed by an enemy 
a neighbor will say, there's a conflict going on, but the Bible actually says the word is Satan. So somehow this woman, interchange, she's actually been oppressed by Satan in adversity. But she's going to him because the judge is a picture of God, and I'll explain it in a moment. Not that God is reluctant to hear us, but he wants us to push through because it's a kingdom principle. You don't always get it straight off. You have to push through and God forms character. He fashions faith as you go. And so anyway, this you can imagine it, the woman knocking and knocking on his door and he's thinking, oh, this, there she is again. And then finally she's knocking and then uh, she, he sees the next day her coming up the road and he hides, you know, oh my goodness, there she is over there. So he hides down, gets down under the desk, says to the secretary, uh, I'm not here. And then all of a sudden she's at his door and the secretary goes like this, you know, it's like on the movies, you know what? And he listens to her one more time, then the next day, one more time, then the next day, one more time. What she's doing is she's wearing him down. Those are key words. The Bible says she's wearing him down. And this is what happens. And I'm going to say this. I believe the enemy tries to wear us down, tries to tire us down. God isn't listening to you. I'm sure the prophetic word was wrong. After all, he's given other prophetic words that are wrong. What makes you think that prophetic word is right? Why didn't you give up? Hey, besides, you'd be really great at this and doing this. And he wants to hop you out of your destiny into other stuff. So you know what happens? We get discouraged. We no longer push through. We no longer break through. The promise about our marriage coming together, it seems to be so dim. It seems to be so out there. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on to that dream. Hold on to that promise. Sometimes that's all we've got. All we have is a promise and all we have is a dream. We've got our Joseph held on to his dream in captivity. Israel was a nation that came an incredible conflict, but when they cried out to God, God came through. Look what Jesus says here. He summarizes it here. And he says, Then the Lord said, after giving the parable, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Well, that'd be like the guy that we just worshiped a few moments ago coming and saying to us and saying, hey, learn a lesson, guys. Even he rendered a just decision in the end, so don't think, so don't you think God will surely give you justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night, day and night. What is it that you have? Are you satisfied where you're at? Are you quite happy where you're at? Or is there more for you? Do you have a big vision? Do you want to see a a nation changed? Do you believe a nation can be changed? Do you believe we could have a revival in this nation? Do you believe your kids could come home? Do you believe your marriage could be stitched up together? Do you believe you could even be married? Hold on to the dream. Push through. The problem is, is a, what a scary thing. I see so many people with hollow eyes in the church. Nice smiles, but hollow eyes. And there's no life in those eyes because the dream's gone out. You've been bashed around, bashed around by circumstance. Things have held you back. You've got to set a string of disappointments that's caused you to be cynical, caused you to be kind of like, well, we'll just give this a go, but we're definitely not doing that anymore. We got hurt, we got bitter. Some of us have been in relationships, got munted around, bashed around, so we don't want to trust anymore. Some of us are facing incredible odds, incredible opposition. What, God is less than that? Is God less than that? Less than the Goliath that you're chasing on? You're trying to crush right now? Is he less than that? No, the Bible says God is greater. 
He is huge on the inside. We have to, we have to believe God. So I want to say this, 2021 is a year of opportunity. The world might go crazy, but isn't it funny? Some people have innovation, some people to rise to the occasion, they become billionaires or millionaires out of the crisis. Isn't that amazing? And the rest of us, we just get upset, get annoyed, blame the government, blame the COVID virus, blame Wuhan, China. However you want to see it, we begin to blame America. Some people have the audacity to blame Trump like he's the guy that created it in his house with his wife or something. It's just like, wow. But you know what? This is the day of opportunity. This is not a day to be a spiritual slug. This is not the day to sit back. This is the day you're ready to seize opportunity. And I'm talking about not just something that comes your way from a nightclub. I'm talking about seizing a God-ordained opportunity. Something that works for you. Life works for us. But you've got to seize it. You've got to jump on that line. Yourself out where you shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? We have no business following unrighteousness. Follow hard after the call of God. God will preserve you. He will protect you in that. And He will bless you powerfully in that. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. God heard you the first time you prayed. In Isaiah 58, 1, it says, Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Lift it up. The 10 lepers in Luke 17, 13, it says, And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. I always think the woman with the issue of blood. If you read that and understand the culture of the time, you realize, my goodness, she took a stretch risk. Bleeding for 12 years, she's not even to be out like that. She pulled on his garment. Healed. We talked about blind Barmanus. It's really interesting observation. Most often those who got miracles in their Old Testament cried out to God. Have you ever noticed that? They cried out to God. Sometimes God supernaturally chose people and, and healed them and when they weren't looking for it. But you'll see a, a lot of people actually cried out for the Lord. It's incredible. Sadly, we go silent. We just cope. We just cope with the circumstance. You've got to get frustrated. Ladies, have you ever gone home and thought that your house is in a pigsty or a house is a mess? You get that season where you just want to go through everything and clean everything up? Go with it. Just be careful of your husband's wardrobe. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's kind of like you've got to get sick of it. Ever been into your work situation and thought either the work's going to change or I'm going to change, but something has to change? And so you've, you've decided to have an adjustment on the inside and everything else begins to change around your life? Have you ever got sick? I, I say this respectfully. Have you ever looked in the mirror and got sick of you? And it's not because you don't look attractive because you do look attractive and you look handsome and pretty and all that sort of stuff. But you got sick. You looked at your life and thought, mate, we're financially up against the wall. Nothing's happening for us. We seem to be going around the circle one more time, one more time. That's when you come to that place, when you come to that place of, I want to change. I want to make a difference. I want to push through. That is a good place. They say frustration is the mother of invention, innovation. We're, we're going to be sick if we were at. Don't you get sick of the old, old ways of thinking or the old, you're locked in, you're locked in your thinking. It's just like, come on, I want to break free. Jacob, you know, many people fight and wrestle with God. You know that. Many people fight with God. They fight to get free from God. They fight to get free from a conscience that God has put within them. 
Jacob wrestled with God, patriarch. The Bible says this, that he wrestled with the angel of the Lord that was Christ. The angel of the Lord wrestled with him and says, I will not let you go until you bless me. All night long, Jacob fought and wrestled with Christ enough that he dislocated his hip. So Jacob, from that on, as an older guy, was walking around like this, you know, dislocated hip. Hi, guys. Just been wrestling with the Lord. Uh, just, just, just a casual Christian meeting with the Lord. But you know what? God gave him his blessing. Wrestled. Mate, some of us can't even pray respectfully for five minutes. And we, we want to be great spiritual rock stars and, you know, do all these great things. But I'm saying pay the price. The anointing, the presence of God costs so much. If you understand those who believe is the presence of the Lord, the anointing of God on a ministry costs a heavy price. It's easy to do what I'm doing preaching right now. But the Shekinah glory, it costs. It costs a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of humility, a lot of soul searching, a lot of waiting on the Lord. And Father, come, Father, come. It doesn't mean even right now where you're at. It doesn't, you could be in the biggest sin situation right now. But it's God, if you've got a hunger, God can see past that. If you, you could be in a, a dire straits right now, but God can see past all that. Sin's not a problem to God like that. He can see past that if there's a hunger. You might be on the verge of a split in the relationship, in a marriage, and it's breaking hearts. But I'm telling you this, if there's a hunger, where there's life, there's hope. And if there's something within me that says, God, give me children lest I die, it'll come to you. It'll always come. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.